Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Joseph. Dak, <laughs> the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not come yet to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Super stuff. Fair play reading all those names with a mask on, hey? Not an easy thing. Um, If you've got a Bible, keep it open at Haggai chapter 1. And if you haven't, then hopefully uh, you can follow along on the screen. Uh, We're starting a new vision series. We always do a vision series thinking about what's the point of the church, uh, why are we church, what does it mean to be church, and we're using Haggai to help us, and we'll have a Vision Sunday on the 4th of October, and we'll talk about the finances and strategic plans after the service as well. So let's pray. Would you just commit your hearts to God right now, that he, your heart would be open? And just take a moment online, in person, and then we can pray. praise you, Father, for the noise of children, the joy they bring. And we remember, Lord, that you said, unless we become like children, we will never inherit the kingdom of God. So make us childlike in our willingness to hear your word and be be obedient, and to humble ourselves before you and recognize our dependence on you for everything. And speak to us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Question. 
I started with a question last week. I quite liked it. So I'm starting with a question this week. As revealed in Scripture and in church history for 2,000 years, what are the great tactics of the devil to stop the growth of the local church? I think there's four. The first one is fear. Through state persecution, Christians are intimidated and forced underground, and in this case, the devil ends up being a persecutor through the state. Ironically, it has reverse effects, and normally the church grows. Church in China, uh, Iran, different places. Nigeria. The second tactic of the devil is corruption. Corrupt the leaders in their preaching, and the doctrine they preach is a false gospel, or corrupt the leaders by making them derail themselves through sinful lifestyles. So in this case, the, 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 the devil is a deceiver, deceiving through doctrine or deceiving through false uh, well, leaders that go off track. And the church doesn't grow. The devil stifles the work of the church. Division. The devil gets the church fighting. Pride, gossip, power plays, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, slander. In this case, the devil is a disruptor. You know, Ephesians 4, Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. He's not speaking to individuals. He's speaking to a church. And it leads to breakdown in trust, respect, affection, love. Church is divided. Church stops growing. And the fourth tactic, I think, is compromise. The devil lures the church into compromise with the world's ways, the ways of money, sex, and power, the ways of seeking your own security and comfort above seeking God's kingdom. In this case, the devil is a seducer. And his tactics are most subtle because they are almost indiscernible. But the church stops growing because it loses its zeal for evangelism and holy living as we just compromise. Second question for the day. Which tactic is the devil using right now in all his effort to stop Christ City Church growing during COVID-19? What do you think? Fear? Sure, there's a lot of fear in our world. I'm not sure that's really what he's using right now for us. Corruption, sure, there's sadly a growing list of leaders who are disqualifying themselves, and it's painful to see online, and we need to be careful to guard our own hearts. Division, I think this is a real potential danger. We are physically divided. There's online and physical, and you know, we, the devil can use that kind of thing, can't he? He'd love to split us. There might be divisions on how we are coping with guidelines, and you know, he'd love to use that, wouldn't he? But I think, actually, we're doing okay. But we need to be careful. We need to not speak bad of each other. We need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. We need to work harder at friendships with with the group dynamics being smaller and different and challenging. But compromise, isn't it? That's, That's the devil's great tactic for the Western church. The steady, gradual, indiscernible, seemingly harmless, slippery slope into comfort and mediocrity where you expect little, sacrifice little, want little, show little, hope for little, life trundles on. It's fairly easy to spot the devil as persecutor. You're getting persecuted. Over time, it's actually fairly easy to discern the devil as deceiver and disruptor. You start to see the fruit in the church. It's very hard to spot him as seducer because he's seducing you. We can easily be blind to this tactic as we slowly lower the bar of what it means to follow Jesus. And as church becomes less and less important, 
Sure, we're Christians. Sure, we go to church. But the fire in the belly, the vision, it's kind of died. And the decisions we make reveal that the growth of the church and evangelism and holy living are less important to us. And you know what? It's the same in Haggai's day. Fear, there wasn't too much fear. There was a bit of opposition, not much. Corruption, we actually don't learn of any, any sort of corruption, false gospel, apostasy, idolatry. None of that is in the book of Haggai. Division, we don't learn of any factions and problems. These are, other prophets speak about all these things, not Haggai. What you have is compromise, the slow, steady change of priorities, the dampening of zeal, the life choices that put God and his people as an add-on to life rather than the center of life. How is that clearly revealed in Haggai's day? The Lord's house, the temple in Jerusalem, still lies in ruins while people are living in nice, comfortable houses themselves. Their personal house is sorted while the Lord's house is in ruins. And so the challenge for the people then and for us today is, whose house comes first? Your house or God's house? We're starting this four-week vision series, particularly in these days of COVID, to think, what does it mean to prioritize the growth and the health and the flourishing of God's house, which is now not a temple. Well, it is a temple. We are the temple of the church. When the temptation in this, these days is to retreat, and ensure that you've got your own house in order. That's the temptation, isn't it? Now, I get the irony and the challenge, by the way, for Leanne and I. We are literally having work done on our house. And so it's a question as real for us as anyone else. Are you more bothered about building your own house, literally, or building the Lord's house, the church? Haggai gives us two things to ponder in chapter one. He gives the challenge. He says, give careful thought to your ways. And he gives us a response of the people and the challenge, I guess, to respond similarly for us to obey God's word. So let's look at the challenge in verses 1 to 11 to give careful thought to your ways. Like, let me give you a quick summary of God's people so far. Really plotted history. 1,500 BC, God rescues the people out of Israel through Moses and by jo- through Joshua delivers them into the promised land, roughly around 1,500 BC. About 1000 BC, God raises up a king, David, and says, I'm going to give you an everlasting kingdom. As long as you keep me as the ultimate king, I'm going to give you a king. You'll have peace and prosperity. You'll enjoy peace in the land. And through David's son, so roughly similar time, 1000 BC, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to build a temple where my name is going to be, you know, I'm going to put my name on that temple. I'm going to dwell in that temple, and you'll meet me and worship me in that temple. And the people did receive peace and prosperity and a wise king, and and they did worship God in the temple. And then a number of things happened. Around 922 BC, the the people split that tactic of the devil. You had the ten northern tribes called Israel, and you had the two southern tribes called Judah. And they split two kingdoms, one in Samaria, one in Jerusalem. And then what happened was the ten northern tribes, Israel, fell into apostasy and idolatry and trampled on the poor and all those kind of things and were taken into captivity by Assyria in 722 BC. And so they were destroyed. They were lost. They're called the lost tribes. Israel lasted, Judah lasted a bit longer than Israel, but in 587 BC, they followed in that rebellion and disobedience and they too were taken into exile. Now, not by the Assyrians who had gone, but the Babylonians who had taken over. And so in punishment to the people... Uh, so in punishment of the people, God sent them into exile for 70 years. 
And there was a cataclysmic event that happened if you're a Jew in 587 BC. As the Babylonians came in, they sacked Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple, and they carried the holy objects that were in the temple and put them in the temple of the gods of Babylonia. But then the Babylonians declined, and Cyrus, the Persian, beat them in 539 BC and issued a decree that the Jews could return to the homeland and rebuild the temple. So after years of exiles, the Jews started gathering themselves together and they started coming back to their homeland and thinking, you know, we can go back from exile. And they came back and they started rebuilding about 536 BC. But then the work stopped. It didn't, they didn't stop building their own houses, but the work on the Lord's house stopped. So it's actually 16 years of being back in the land and the temple is still in ruin. And Haggai, God has to send Haggai and says, what is going on? You've been back 16 years and your house is sorted, but my house isn't. Verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty say. These people say the time has not yet come to build the Lord's house. It's too hard. It's too challenging. I just need to take care of myself. I can't face like... I, I've got my own house in order. And you see, there's excuses. The people say it's too dangerous. They've been seduced. They've got comfortable. I need to focus on myself for a bit. I mean, we're all under pressure, aren't we? The people say, I'm going to put that off for another day. The New Testament calls it being lukewarm. Haggai comes and says this, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, it is time for you yourselves. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, you know, luxurious ones, while this house remains in ruins? And so there's the challenge. Is it okay for us to be living nice, comfortable lives where we're all sorted, but the church and the Lord's house is not growing? And of course the answer is no. God is giving a challenge. And he gives a challenge by giving a wake-up call to the people. Verses 5 to 7 is a wake-up call. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You hear that phrase? He says it three times. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. God's saying, I want you to sit up and listen. In a way, he's saying, how are things going for you, Israel? The people should have realized something wasn't right. They work but never find satisfaction. They earn money, but the money just disappears through their holes in the pockets like a sieve. God is waking them up. He's shaking them up to reprioritizing them and their decision-making. In effect, he's saying to them, you're focusing all on your own house to ensure your own security and comfort. How's it going? Are you, are you flourishing in life because you're focusing on yourself? It goes back to the Garden of Eden. Mankind has always thought that if we seek our own desires and our own will and our own agenda above God's, we'll be more happy, we'll be more fulfilled. But we deceive ourselves. We chase and we chase and we chase and we build and we build and we build and we advance and we advance and we build and we advance and yet the blessed rest that we all want doesn't come by focusing on ourselves and our agendas. So God says, 
Give careful thought to your way. Are you running hard and yet never finding rest? Why? God is wanting to wake them up. Do you, do you need waking up? Do I need? Give careful thought to your ways. Now, Haggai then spells that out. You want to give careful thoughts to your ways? You want to change? He says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. There it is again, that phrase. Go up to the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. It's time to start building. Go to the mountains. Get the wood. Let's get going. Now, Joyce Baldwin, in her commentary, Tyndale commentary, summarizes the problem so well like this. She says, what was lacking was dissatisfaction with things as they were. There wasn't a holy discontent that the temple was in ruins. That was the problem. It was just, uh, how's your Christian? I'm trying. There wasn't that holy dissatisfaction. So she says resignation killed that faith. The people had lost the burning passion to see God glorified. They'd settled for mediocrity. The ruined skeleton of the temple in Jerusalem represented their hearts. They were half in and half out. So like the temple, it was half built and it was half broken. Their faith, like the temple, had not been tended to, so they would decay had set in. Baldwin says, what was needed? Listen to this, brilliant. By a concerted effort to rebuild, which would be proof and pledge of a change of attitude from resignation to faith. Proof and pledge. Start building as a proof and pledge. Once priorities have been put right, the presence of the Lord among his people would be evident. Haggai's saying it's time to rebuild. It's time to invest in God and his people in his house. The withdrawing is over. The compromise is over. Let's get rebuilding. So the challenge to us today, every one of us, me included, COVID has changed our world. We've all been unsettled. The temptation on every one of our hearts is, I'm just going to retreat and take it a little bit easier because it's so hard. And it is. And of course we need grace. And of course we need to be... But you get the point. That's the temptation. I'm not trying to fill us with guilt and pressure, but we need to be aware. It's easy to let fear creep in. We turn in in ourselves and away from God and his purposes. Let's re-examine our motives and our priorities, which are revealed through our decision-making. The people who decided not to rebuild, that revealed what was going on in their hearts. God says, roll up your sleeve, go up the mountains, get the timber, let's get going. How did the people respond? How should we respond? Listen, that's a challenge. Give careful thoughts your ways. What's the, res- the response? Well, they obeyed God's word. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shutiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. The people obeyed, and in place of flabby compromise and indulgent comfort, do you see what it said? Came holy fear. God gripped their hearts. Holy reverence was rekindled, and awe for God again. But God's word didn't come on its own. When God gives a challenge, he gives provision for the challenge. He's not just trying to fill us with a sense of condemnation. He's doing the opposite. 
So look at the provisions God gave to enable them to obey the word. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I'm with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began work on the house of the Lord their God. God gives four things to enable them to respond to the challenge. The first thing he gives them is assurance. I'm with you. Do you see that? I'm with you. You want to respond to the challenge of keeping, investing in God's church during COVID for its growth and flourishing? Know the assurance. God is with us. Let the Holy Spirit give you that as a personal assurance. God is with you. Yes, God wakes us up, but not to condemn us, to draw us near. He says, I'm with you. I'm for you. Know that assurance. God is with you. Might not be easy, but he's with you. Don't doubt that. The second thing that God gives is the spirit. We cannot obey God's word or shift our priorities or grow in zeal or be willing to sacrifice all by ourselves. So it says, the sp- it says God stirred up the spirits of the people. St- the stirring up of hearts is a work only the Holy Spirit could do. God was stirring up the people then, and he wants to stir us up. This isn't, I know I need to try harder as a Christian. I know I need to get my to-do list bigger. I know, no, 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 no. Lord, stir my heart by your spirit. You know, someone asked me, you know, just there was something on the side. It was Andrew just asked me a question before, and, and I said, no, but I just love it. I just love it. It's going swimming. You probably heard, you may have heard my latest fetish is to go swimming in the sea. If, if, it hasn't, if you haven't heard that, then I, I don't know where you've been. But, 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 but Andrew said, and he's always oh, using really, I said, no, I love it. Now, I'm not saying you have to love it, but, you know, it's an inner passion. It's not a duty. The Spirit stirs you to say, I want to build again. Oh, not like, oh, I go around, I've got all this burden on me now. Steve's giving a really challenging, Lord, stir me. Only the Spirit can help us. Yes, there's work to do. Yes, like rebuilding the temple, that can be hard work. But work that's empowered by the Spirit of God is always sustainable, is always life-giving, and is always joyful. God's work done with God's means achieves God's plans by the Spirit. God gave them leaders. Joshua, Jehozadak, Zerubbabel, the different people mentioned. Someone has to see the big picture. Someone has to coordinate the efforts that are galvanized of the people. It's not just everyone goes, okay, I need to work harder. No, 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 that's just pointless. If we're all just doing our own thing, there has to be leaders that God raises up. Some of you love hospitality. Some of you love administration. Some evangelism, discipleship, pastoral care, caring for children, practical acts of helping, using technology effectively for online church, teaching the Bible, leading in prayer, all kinds of gifts. There's lots of gifts mentioned. And to ensure all those gifts are used effectively for the growth of the church and the flourishing of its people, God says, I'm raising up leaders. And I believe right now, within Christ City Church, actually wider than Christ City Church, but God is raising up leaders. It's one of our four values, leaders of life groups, leaders of city groups, they've multiplied, praise God. Leaders of Sunday teams, leaders of welk- to welcome people, leaders to care for the souls of the people, leaders to preach the word, leaders that in time could help lead church plants because God prepared us in this season, maybe for three or four years. 
Maybe God is stirring you now. You feel like, oh, this message is for me. I feel like Zerubbabel. God's stirring my heart. I feel like Joshua. I've been hiding in the shadows. And you go, this is my time. I need to lead. I need to, I need to be an active servant, a participant in the church. I need to take responsibility. God, are you, are you raising me up? If you feel that stirring, don't resist. And if you're part of the church, follow the leaders God raises up here in the various contexts. God gave them assurance. God gave them the spirit. God gave them leaders. And God gave them togetherness. Do you see it? Not just that this says the whole remnant was stirred. Do you see that there? Verse 14. You know, there's something that's crept into our church from our culture, which is, how is Jesus speaking to me? And like, how, what's God's call upon my life? And I'm not saying all that's bad. But it is a kind of individualistic Western consumerist mindset to go, what's God call for me? God calls the whole church and says, what is God doing amongst us as a people? And we've lost a bit of that, haven't we? We respond together. It's not like, oh, I'm doing my thing and you do your thing. No, no. Of course we need to listen to God for, one, for ourselves. Of course, of course, of course. But there's a sense in which, Lord, what are you doing to us? We need to respond together. COVID wants to separate us. It wants to, like, online, physical. You know. No, 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 together, Lord, we're discerning you still. What are you saying? How do we respond? So listen, the Lord's, the people, 500 BC, 520 BC, God says, I've got a challenge. Give careful thoughts to your ways. What's the response? To obey. But what did give God give them to obey? Assurance, God was with them. The spirit to stir their hearts. Leaders that they could follow. And a humble togetherness in the task. What do we have? We have Jesus. And he died. He was the temple. He said, you know, destroy me and, and I'll be raised up in three days. And he died for his bride so that we could become the temple of God. What does that give us that they didn't have? You want assurance that God is with you? Look at what it cost Jesus to build. He didn't have to go up to the mountain. Well, he did, didn't he? He went up Calvary and he got the wood. And he got slaughtered on the wood to build the house. You want assurance that he's for you? And what did he do after? He ascended into heaven and said, I've got to go. He said to his disciples, you know, you're not going to understand it, but I've got to go. Why? So I can give you my spirit. It's better that I go so you can have each of you a stirring of the heart. And he raised up leaders. And we see the early church with the apostles and the, the, de the early deacons and the seven. And God starts raising up leaders in the book of Acts and all these different. And God says, yeah, that's what happens when I, I breathe. You need leaders to organize and structure. But he gave that early church a togetherness. I just read it this morning. I'm reading the book of Acts. What chapters was I in yesterday? Chapters 1 to 4. Today, 4 to 8. The believers had everything in common. When one was in need, someone would sell a field. I mean, that's what I was reading this morning. I was preparing. What a... You see, the cross, when you get the cross, it makes you humble. And therefore, you, you embrace your brother and sister on equal footing and say, we're together in this because we're equal at the foot of the cross. Proof and pledge of a change in attitude in Haggai's day was they went up the mountain to start rebuilding, to get the wood to start rebuilding. What is it for us? 
It's different, you know? I don't know how the Spirit is speaking to you now. Maybe it's, I need to make a concerted effort to try and meet with someone from Christ City Church each week for a coffee or a walk. And I'm going to take the initiative. I need to remember that person that I used to connect with and then COVID separate. I need to take the initiative to meet with that friend again. Or I know they're struggling. Or I know it's hard. Or I'm going to have to travel. Go up the mountain. Get the wood. Build. Take the initiative. Maybe it's, you know, we just heard about city groups. I was always half in, half out with city groups. And I'm going to be in. Even if it's online, I'm going to be in. I'm going to commit and I'm going to serve. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a prayer card. I'm going to write every name of who's in my city group. When, I'm, when, I, when we start one, I'm going to pray for them once a week. Go up the mountain. Get the wood. Start rebuilding. Rebuilding prayer for your city group. Maybe it's like, oh, I, I thought about joining a serving team and I sort of did a bit. I'm going to get in. Just once a month, I'm just going to start serving as a proof and pledge that I'm in. It's almost, we haven't made any decisions, but we're almost certainly going to have to at least think about doing two services. We're at capacity today. 50 people signed up, praise God. And when we multiply the services, we do a smaller one at the start for maybe families and vulnerable people, and then this one is normal. We're going to need workers. We don't want to be a full church where you can't invite your friends. Oh, sorry, church is full today. You can't come. What? We need to be creative. You want to work? You want to build? Go up the mountain, get the wood. There's a city to be reached. Maybe it's financially contributing to the church for the first time. Maybe you've received a pay rise, but your giving hasn't risen to match it. Go up to the mountain, get the wood, start rebuilding. If you're able and have no underlying health issue that prevents you and you're not shielding, maybe be brave enough. I'm going to come on a Sunday. I'm going to come along. I'm not going to sort of keep pushing it away. Now, of course, we know not everyone can. There's no problem. There's no guilt. If you're online, we would love having you. But maybe some of you go, do you know what? I have just been putting it off, and I need to come. It really pushes you. What are my plans for my job now COVID's hitting? What are my plans for where I live now COVID's hitting? What's my plan? Am I even thinking about how church might form my like, next three, five-year plans? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe it's having someone over for dinner once a week just so you can offer them nice hospitality. What does it mean for you to give proof and pledge? Lord, I'm in. In Haggai's day, the people obeyed with holy fear which gripped their hearts. What does God want for you as you reprioritize, as you reinvest, as we listen to that call on our lives? As co- the longer COVID goes on, the easier it is for us to drift from church community we need to make sure we're playing our part. We hear the word of the God. We go to the mountains. We get the wood. It's time to rebuild. Let's pray. I'm going to invite Andrew back. And then would you stand? And uh, I want you just to take a moment to think what it means for you to know uh, how to respond. So just stand with me in, in this room. And uh, let's have a moment of prayer. And then we'll sing. We thank you, Lord, that whenever you give a challenge, it's never to condemn. In fact, it's the opposite. It's because you love us. You don't just leave us to ourselves. When you stir us, when you shake us, when you provoke us, it's because you love us and you want us as a lover wants their their lover's full attention. So I thank you for that. I pray there be no guilt and condemnation and no unhealthy pressure on anyone here today. Thank you for the assurance that you're with us. 
Thank you for the spirit that stirs our hearts. Thank you for the leaders that you're raising up. And Lord, please give us that humble togetherness at the foot of the cross. So Lord, we just seek you. We long for you. We long for your name to be glorified. We long as the temple was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations and for the name of the God of Israel to be worshipped. So we long that this church be a place where Jesus, you are worshipped, where we make it a prayer for all nations. And where Holy Spirit, you come and dwell like you dwelt in the Old Testament temple and your presence was there. But we pray that it would spill out onto the streets and into the lives of our friends and families that don't know you. Lord, we pray that this vision series in the book of Haggai would teach us what it is to keep investing and what it means to rebuild and build your church in these strange and new days we live in. We seek you, Lord. We need you. Our eyes are on you. We cannot do this by ourselves. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just take a moment, just continue to just reflect for a second. Just consider our ways. What is this, the thing that God is just inviting you to let go at the moment? The thing that is holding you back from a new zeal for Him. What is it that he's asking you to let go so that he can fill you with something better? I think there's something about Steve in the last season just inviting, or in this season, just inviting everyone to just join him on that dive into the cold, cold Irish sea. Because it's an invitation into the unknown, isn't it? See, he's experienced it. He experienced the joy, the refreshing sensation that comes from jumping into the sea and he's inviting you to just take a leap of faith and in the bottom of the ocean then you feel the shock to the system burst of a new experience so God is inviting us all to take that leap of faith and join him in this new experience as a church together